Hot Water Father Station with 50 minutes of today's R&B hits and oldies every hour. Rick Party in the afternoon. I got a good friend with me, uh, A. Marcus Scott. And before I tell you more about him, let's talk about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, it can often occur after you've been through a trauma, a trauma uh, that's shocking and a scary event that you see and it happens to you. And during this type of event, you think that your life or others' lives are in danger. You may feel afraid or you think you have no control over what's happening. Which brings me to my friend, A. Marcus Scott. He's a former uh, Navy vet. And you fought in some tough wars, man. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. And tell us about some of the, some of your tours of duty. Um, first tour of duty was in the original Gulf War. Mm-hmm. Um back in August of 1990, mm-hmm. uh, Saddam Hussein took over Kuwait. And uh, I flew over August the 2nd of 1990. Mm-hmm. And I was there for about a year. Wow. So, I mean, without asking, you've seen, you've seen some things that people, that people can't even imagine. I mean, things that you wouldn't even want to talk about. Honestly, the war was over so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that particular war, we didn't see much. We 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 did more rescue missions in that in that war because the the Saudi people, the Iraqi people, were basically giving up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saddam Hussein was not feeding them; they were eating the animals out of the zoos. My gosh! And they saw us as a as a refuge. Wow! They came to us waving white undershirts, white towels, everything to show that they were giving up. And it was more so of like a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Navy CB, former Navy CB, and my toughest time was in Somalia. Wow. In the uh, conflict in Somalia. Without asking you about anything like that, um, what does it take mentally to prepare to go to war? Whether you're on the plane ride or the boat ride over, your mind changes mentally for life Mm -hmm. because you're in a situation where you know you may never come home again. Right. You said goodbye to your loved ones. You've done all your crying. Now you're with 600 other guys and you literally know that you may never come home again. I know in my field, my particular job, my life expectancy was 45 seconds. If I made it past 45 seconds, then the clock starts over. Mm. Another 45 seconds. Another 45 seconds. You know, so every second that that went by, we were grateful for and did not take it for granted. And when you come home, um, things aren't the same. I mean, you come back to the United States of America where you see uh, life is normal for the everyday people. And do you say to yourself, like, uh, th- this is not reality? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because your mind, I always thought something was wrong with me mm-hmm. until a doctor pointed it out. He said, you are stuck in a fight or flight right. situation. Mm-hmm. Your mind mentally to prepare to go to war, put yourself in a fight or flight situation. And now that you're home, your body and your mind cannot turn that off. So I am hyper vigilant at all times. Right. I'm always watching my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Do not walk walk up behind me at all. Don't do that. Wow. I'm always watching my surroundings. At night, I get up 
10, 11 times a night checking every window, mm-hmm. every door to make sure it's locked. You know, it's 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 a feeling that I can't can't describe, but I don't like crowds anymore. I can't take crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't go anywhere and be there for a long period of time. Right. Because the only place that I feel comfortable is at home. Right. Because that's my space. So this is um, this is clearly uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, how how severe would you say this is on a scale of one to five for five. you? Five. Yes. At the wow, that's yes. that's pretty deep. I can tell you, my wife has w- woken up with bruises mm-hmm. because I've I've been fighting in my sleep and actually hit her. Wow. Um, I have panic attacks two to three times a day mm-hmm. to where it literally feels like I'm gonna have a heart attack. Right. You know, it's just I get overwhelmed so much just because of the thoughts and the feelings that, that, that I have or the memories that I have. Mm-hmm. The anxiety is so bad. I've had to be hospitalized for the anxiety. Wow. It, it, it's something that just does not go away. Now, you came back home with uh, PTSD, but you also had some other ailments and some other things you had to go through. Yes. Um, Tell us about that. We found out 10 years after we came home that we were exposed to some nerve gases Mm. that Hudam Hussein uh, sprayed via Scud. No, was it? Yeah, the Scud missiles. Right. And um, we were never told. We found out by reading a British tabloid that the British forces that were stationed in the camp right next to us, Mm -hmm. that their gear actually registered nerve gas. Oh, wow. But that particular day, we were told there were no nerve gases around mm-hmm. and for us to take our gear off. Right. And since myself, other other guys that were stationed with me, we have skin issues. We all have gastrointestinal issues. Wow. Um, we all have bone and joint issues. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of different things that, that go on and that, that accompany, you know, what goes on over there, and also the medications that they make you take before you go. Tell us about that, because I've heard about that, and you know, not not to get too much into it, because I know you can only tell me so much. Um, I heard you guys were kind of, how can I say this? Well, kind of sworn not to talk about yes this drug. Tell yes. me about that. Um. Before we went to Desert Storm, we were told that the particular medication had not been tested. Uh-huh. It had not been approved by the FDA yet. But it's better to take this medication and it might work than to take nothing and you're just exposed to the nerve gases. Right. So. We just went ahead and took these enormous shots through these air guns and took these pills every day. Um, Come to find out, a lot of us, once we came home, we've had deformed children. Um, A lot of children have been born retarded. Mm. Um, As a matter of fact, my wife and I, we lost our first child. Um, there's been all kind of different medical issues that have come about the medications that were taken while we were there and before we left to go over there. Right. Speaking of your wife, um, 
So for you, you guys, is it um, is this issue resolved or is it kind of like a day by day thing for you? Day by day, right? Day by day. So you you wouldn't say that it's gotten better? No, no, not. If anything, better. it's gotten worse. As I've gotten older, uh-huh. it's gotten worse. Wow. So let's talk about healthcare. Um, do you have access to to free healthcare? I have access to free healthcare because I am disabled. Mm-hmm. They have me labeled as disabled with a service-connected issue. Mm-hmm. If I was just a regular serviceman that was not in the military anymore, that did not retire, that, say, did five years and got out, mm-hmm. and I went to the VA hospital, they would see me, but they would charge me. Right. Because, hey, I'm not in the military anymore. I'm just right. a regular civilian. Now, if they deem you as a service-connected issue, then they'll rate you at a certain percentage of disability, and then they'll see you. How does it make you feel, uh, you know, having fought for the country and come back and you get treated like a second, third-class citizen? (laughs) That's hard to answer for me because in the last few weeks, I've been disrespected at the VA. Right. Treated just like, like a dog, even at the VA hospital itself. Right. And it makes you feel like, you know, these people are walking around free, doing whatever they want to do every day, mm-hmm. you know, not caring, you know, no responsibility, you know, no no respect for the lives that they live. And we were on that wall. We were fighting for people. And they just, I, I look at people look at these kids killing kids. I look at these kids doing these things. And if they would realize some of the sacrifices that we made uh-huh. just so they could live freely, right. I think they would look at things a little differently. Right. I think if anybody were to go in the military and have to do some of the things that we've done, right. they would come home and take their lives a little bit more seriously. Right. Rather than ask you, um, what are the things you, you've done? What do you want people to know most about you as a vet and in all, all vets? Without asking me things that I've done, I can tell you, watch the movie Black Hawk Down. Okay. That was me and what I did. Wow. Um, mm. What about me? I'm not crazy. People tend to make jokes because I have PTSD. They call me crazy. They say, have you taken your crazy medication? Um, and I laugh it off and I joke about it, but mm-hmm. that actually hurts. Right. You know, to, I already feel broken. I already feel like something's wrong because I have this condition. I have this mental problem. And when you ask me if I was taking my medication, it just makes me feel like, I don't know. I, I can't even explain how it makes me feel. Right. Here we go. <laughs> Tell me about the the low point in your life. The low point in my life came in 2002. Um, I had not been diagnosed yet with PTSD. I just thought that there was something wrong with me, something increasingly wrong with me. I felt like the world was caving in. I was having these panic attacks. But I had no idea what it was. The doctors didn't know what it was. The VA doctors didn't know what it was. And just one day, 
the feeling of worthlessness just got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. And again, you feel broken, you feel weird, you feel out of place. And uh, December 17th, 2002, I tried to take my life. Wow. Um, w- without getting too explicit, or not, not even asking you any questions about this. I mean, first of all, you're here. Um, what kept you on the main stage of life? I would have to say my wife hmm. and my children. Um, I've been married for 24 years. I've known my wife for 32 years. She's been my best friend through everything. She's stuck through me stuck with me through everything, stuck by me through everything. And just her and my children have been the only things that have been able to keep me keep me sane, honestly. If it was not for them, I couldn't tell you where I would be right now. So what are things like right now for you? I'm just an everyday guy that loves his wife, that loves his family, mm-hmm. that helps out in the community. I may be disabled. I may move a little slower. You know, I may need to take a time out every now and then because I'm overwhelmed. I do take medication for it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm a regular guy. Right. That will pretty much die for just about anybody. And, you know, let me say this. I, I've known you for 20-something years. And uh, one thing I can definitely say about you is that, that, that you're an amazing guy. And, and first, I got to congratulate you, man, because I mean, something, something, uh, something is changing positive because uh, your mind has been free enough to uh, shed that stress and that weight of fifty-five pounds you had on you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, based on my military injury, I had surgery, and I was laid up for almost a year and a half, mm-hmm. and I put on weight. Right, and I was luckily able to shed about almost sixty pounds now. That in itself is, is so hard for people to do. So what, what was your secret to shedding the pounds? Portion control. Right. Portion control and eating more often. Right. Whereas before I was eating maybe breakfast and then dinner. Mm-hmm. Now I'll eat a small breakfast. I'll eat a meal at around 11, 11 o'clock. Right. I'll eat another meal around 3. Maybe something small around 5-ish and then dinner around 7. Right. So I broke, you know everything up into very small portions and believe it or not, the weight just started falling off. So has this actually given you a peace of mind? Because, you know, for me, like when I shed 50 pounds, because mm-hmm. I was at that point where I was just stressed out, um, it, it did a lot for me mentally too. It I, makes me feel good to know that I look like I used to, that I've mm-hmm. gotten back down to it. But if I want to tie it into what we were speaking of earlier, it does nothing for for the PTSD. Nothing. It, it's Nothing. it's just that deep. Yeah. Just that deep. Oh, yeah. What, oh, yeah. what would you say for family members and uh, other veterans that have come home with this issue? How can they get help? What, what would you suggest? I would suggest looking up their local DAV, uh-huh. Dis- Disabled American Veterans Office. Uh-huh. Contact them. And every city has one. Contact them. Tell them what their issues are, what, what, what they're dealing with and they will get them in touch with the appropriate VA office that they need to speak to, or they can call 1-800-827-1000. That is also the VA number, 
you can contact them and explain to them, you know, your ex, you know, military person, you're having these issues and who should you see? But I will say you need to have a honorable discharge mm. to get, you know, seen. Okay. Because most guys will go in there and they'll have an other than honorable or a dishonorable. And a lot of times they will not see you if you have a, have a uh, other than an honorable discharge. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Marcus Scott, thank you so much for your time, brother. Can I please say hello to my wife? Please do. My wife, who is now Miss Dr. Kia Scott. All right, congratulations. And also my son, Alonzo, and my beautiful daughter, Kayla, up at Bethune-Cookman University. All right, brother. Thank you so much for serving our country, too, man. Thank you.